Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Welcome to episode 40 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations from various solar system bodies and phenomenon, and publishes them in detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers, otherwise known as the Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the Observer's Notebook, you can donate to it via Patreon by, by giving as little as one dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. And for a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Observer's Notebook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and a free year's membership of the ALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. That's patreon.com Observer's Notebook. If you're interested in joining the ALPO, you can do so for as little as $14 a year. For more information, you can find us on our newly revamped website at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on the Facebook. You can find the ALPO. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, the Observer's Notebook also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe to it. I really appreciate it. That way you'll never miss another episode of The Observer's Notebook. And now, the podcast. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. We have a special guest today, Bob Buckheim. He's a board member of the Society of Astronomical Sciences. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, now, Bob, you are coordinating or one of the coordinators of the upcoming joint conference between the SAS and the ALPO? That is correct. I am. Why don't you give everybody just a little bit of background about yourself before we get into talking about that? My pleasure. Um, my uh, astronomical hobby began somewhere around the third grade because uh, one of the fellows I knew back then figured out that astronomy was a parent-approved reason for staying out all night. So with our little telescopes, we discovered the rings around Saturn and we saw meteors and mostly we stayed up to the wee hours telling ghost stories in the backyard. That's very cool. <laughs> that's, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, but then, you know, we all grew up and went to college and life happened. And uh, during the 1990s, uh, I was awakened to the idea that uh, there's real science in the observation and timing of asteroid occultations. And uh, so I'm, my wife and I made uh, quite a few trips to occultation paths, uh, some of them with 
a telescope and a stopwatch and then with video cameras and later with CCD doing drift scanning. And uh, about the same time, uh, some of my friends were starting to experiment with the then cutting edge new technology of CCD imaging to discover asteroids and supernova, which I thought was very, very neat. And um, John Hoot, a friend of mine in Southern California, told me one year, hey, there's a meeting in the summer that, that you would probably enjoy. And that was my first experience with the Society for Astronomical Sciences. Uh, people were doing amazing things with modest backyard telescopes, measuring the brightness of variable stars, the changing positions of visual binaries, rotation light curves of asteroids. Uh, and, and I was boggled. Uh, I, in one of your recent podcasts, uh, you had Brian Warner on talking about asteroid light curves. Yep. And uh, I, I met him uh, at that very first SAS meeting that I went to, so I'm going to blame him for sparking <laughs> my enthusiasm for photometry. I'm sure he'll take credit for it. Absolutely. And uh, at one of those early SAS meetings, uh, Arnie Hendon mentioned uh, what are, are still really critical uh, two points. Uh, the first was that professional astronomers get shockingly little telescope time, uh, whereas those of us that own our own little telescopes, we can squander our observing time on whatever we want to look at or study. And the second was that there are projects for which the professional community wants data, but only the amateur small telescope community can provide the data because we have the time uh, and uh, many of the targets are bright you know, main belt asteroids and things like that. That, that sounds uh, familiar to me coming from the ALPO side as well. Well, that's right. You'll find my name and several right. issues of the Minor Planet uh, Bulletin. Um, so uh, uh, during during the, the early 2000s, uh, one of the other things that happened was uh, quite a few of the people that I met at SAS uh, expressed the need for some sort of a, a beginner's manual uh, to help the newly enthusiastic amateur begin and succeed at small telescope research. And uh, I said, well, I can do that. And uh, that led to uh, my first book, The Sky is Your Laboratory, which uh, published in 07, got uh, very good reviews, and it's still selling pretty well a decade oh. later. Where is it available on Amazon? or? Yeah, all the usual places. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that, uh, Congratulations on that. Thank you. Published by Springer. Okay. So that's me in a nutshell, at all least right. as an astronomer. Okay. Well, what, what, what do you do as a job? <laughs> Uh, I spent my career uh, as a uh, an engineer and uh, manager in the aerospace industry. Uh, Lockheed Martin and I uh, parted ways a few years ago. Okay. Now you retired? I, you know, I haven't decided whether I'm retired or unemployed, but I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not looking for another paying gig at the moment. That, that's semi-retired, I believe they call that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, I'm I'm indulging my childhood dream now of being an astronomer. That's fantastic. Perfect time to do it. I know a lot of people that uh, are actually joining the training program that I run for the ALPO. They are recently retired because mm -hmm. they now have the time and the resources to finally jump into the hobby that they fell in love to when they were young. And, and I think that's a not unusual uh, situation. I, I suspect uh, your membership tends to have gray hair. Yeah. Uh, uh, SAS, pretty much everybody has gray hair. AAVSO, they're all gray hairs. 
And uh, I, I think that that a lot of that has to do with uh, your life cycle. And in your your 20s, you're getting educated. In 30s, 40s, and 50s, you've got a career and a family to take care of. And then somewhere along the line, you realize that uh, now you have time and the liquid resources mm-hmm. to uh, invest a bit in a hobby. And uh, astronomy is certainly way cheaper than having a boat. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like and that. and if you're scientifically oriented, it, you might find that it's more fun than golf. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not old enough to golf yet, so I'm still <laughs> waiting for that. So let's talk a little bit about the Society of Astronomical Sciences. Where did let's. where it began? Where it is today? That type of thing. Certainly. Uh, now, I don't need to remind the ALPO audience uh, the value of small telescope research. Uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, the technologies that we all take for granted were just barely uh, reaching their early adolescence. Uh, personal computers, electronic detectors, photoelectric photometers, and then CCDs, and computer control of telescopes. And those three enabled entirely new approaches to uh, the study of stars and asteroids and planets, discoveries of supernova and things like that. And, and in that era, somehow, I, I am vague on how it happened, uh, a, a group of amateur astronomers, professors, uh, a couple of researchers got together to share ideas and experiences with these new technologies, and that spawned a group that was called the International Amateur Professional Photoelectric Photometry. Wow, that's a huge uh, acronym. Yeah, IAPPP, uh, as it is uh, fondly referred to, oh, was yeah. formed in the uh, middle of 1980, and then about a decade later, the uh, IAPPP Western Wing was incorporated as the Society for Astronomical Sciences. Um, SAS is a, a gang of uh, enthusiastic, research-oriented amateur astronomers, a handful of professional astronomers, uh, some educators, uh, and uh, usually uh, some students. And together, we uh, form a a community of practice that's devoted to all of the aspects of small telescope astronomical research, uh, sort of complementary to um, ALPO, to AAVSO, and uh, a little more focused on the sorts of projects, contributions we can make than uh, the American Astronomical Society is. Okay. Also less, also less expensive. <laughs> How many members does SAS currently have? Uh, in round numbers, 120. How many of them are active? Um, most. Uh, the uh, attendance at our annual symposium is about 100, and um, uh, like most groups, there are some that are very, very active. Others that uh, kind of watch what happens as part of their um, astronomical entertainment. Okay. So now, that leads us up to our topic, um, the annual symposium of the SAS and jointly held this year with the ALPO. And it seems like these two groups really should be meeting together. You know what? Uh, yeah, uh, and I I was delighted when uh, Richard uh, uh, suggested having a, a joint meeting. We've had um, several joint gatherings with AAVSO. Okay. 
They uh, the that's logical a- as well too. Yeah, it it is. Uh, AAVSO tries to have two meetings a year and move them around the U.S. Um, mostly because of the the history of SAS, the uh, center of gravity of our members is in Southern California. So. Uh, every few years when uh, AAVSO is having a gathering in the southwestern United States. Uh, we'll talk about uh, doing it together. Uh, it takes a little of the load off of them of uh, running a conference and uh, brings their people and our people together. So I'm delighted that uh, we're being able to share the meeting with ALPO this year. That'll be great. Yeah, no, this is for the 2018, so if you're listening to this in the future, you've missed it. Sorry. There'll probably be a podcast later to talk about it. Um, But it will be held Thursday through Sunday. I'm sorry, Thursday through Saturday, June 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2018, at the Ontario Airport Hotel in Ontario, California, which is nice. I live out here in Southern California, and it'll be nice to be able to attend it. In fact, I registered tonight for it. Oh, good. Uh, now, j- uh, for the record, let's double check those dates. My my note to myself is saying 14, 15, 16 of yep, uh, June. Is that what I said or no? I think you were a day later. Oh, okay. But anyhow, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Uh, in Ontario, California. Um and uh I I expect uh, as usual we'll see about 100 people. Uh, for uh, for the symposium uh, and a, a wide variety of topics, uh, I, I have the papers uh, abstracts are still coming in, so I have no idea what um, we're going to learn. But every year it's a lot of fun. Last year uh, there were papers on uh, lunar impacts, uh, visual uh, double star astrometry, exoplanet transits, eclipsing binaries, uh, stellar spectroscopy. Uh, some education applications, and even, I think for the first time ever, a uh, discussion of amateur radio astronomy. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and so you never know what you're going to get. Uh, we're, uh, we're interested in anything that uh, has to do with small telescope research, uh, targets, results, procedures, equipment, uh, software, uh, lessons learned. Uh, our heritage is uh, in stellar photometry and asteroid photometry, so probably see a fair amount of that. And I'm looking forward to uh, uh, seeing what uh, projects and results uh, ALPO members uh, bring to tell us about. So those of you that are listening, the call for abstracts is still open. Uh, the deadline to submit an abstract is March 20th. Uh, you can get the instructions uh, on the SAS website, but uh, get get those abstracts in. I, we're all looking forward to to learning about things that we may not have seen before. That sounds great. Now, how many years has the SAS had these symposiums? This year is, I believe, the 39th. Wow. Uh, it's uh, it's been going on a long, long time, and uh, is a um, a pretty class act uh, with uh, a lot of um, uh, both beginner and very sophisticated papers, uh, some educational opportunities for folks that are not sure what to do, how to do it, or whether they're even interested, um, a lot of time for uh, discussions and camaraderie. And uh, for for those people that are wondering whether uh, attending uh, would be something that would be fun for them, on the uh, SAS website, 
you can look at uh, all of the proceedings uh, freely downloadable from recent years, and there are also videos of most of the technical presentations from uh, recent years. So we try to, uh, because our, our real role is to help this small community succeed, uh, make almost everything uh, freely available. You don't have to pay or join or anything like that. Okay, now, uh, when you talk about the attendees, who do you think is the core group? Uh, the core group is uh, those uh, amateur astronomers who are either doing or are interested in doing uh, research-type projects where uh, they can either uh, uh, complete an entire research project themselves, you know, maybe a, a asteroid light curve, maybe a... Uh, uh, a photometric study of a pulsating variable star, or uh, provide the data that supports the professional researchers in uh, in their projects, which tend to to have very similar uh, requirements. Uh, good photometry. Uh, there are a probably a double handful of people that are getting very interested in uh, stellar spectroscopy, which is a whole new world. Uh, that is really being facilitated by uh, some of the uh, instruments that Shellyak is selling now. And uh, so you'll see all of that, and we will all, always have a, uh, a handful of uh, professional astronomers to both show what they are doing and how they're interacting with the um, amateur community and uh, help develop collaborations and project ideas. Now, are the members of the SAS primarily amateurs? Yeah, yeah, I would guess 80%. Okay, all right, and the, and the professionals come in to offer assistance or talk about different yeah. projects they like to see. Yeah, and, and we try to, to do a little bit of outreach to make sure that, uh, that we get some visibility in the professional community because their um, uh, advice and critique uh, is really important to helping uh, us uh, do good science and uh, focus on topics and targets uh, where uh, we have real value. Now, if someone's listening to this and they're not a member of the SAS or even a member of the ALPO, can they still attend the conference? Absolutely. Uh, the um, SAS symposium is open to everyone who's interested in small telescope research, uh, including students. Uh, it, it's, uh, it might be a really great opportunity for uh, that grad student or undergrad uh, who's a little intimidated by going to the American Astronomical Society, uh, here's an opportunity to uh, attend a, a scientific conference, meet people, discuss ideas, and present uh, uh, research results that uh, you've gathered in a, a, um, a warm and uh, friendly and welcoming environment. Uh, we've had uh, papers presented by undergrads, uh, and I think even a few high school kids. Uh, there's been a, a real initiative uh, in the last few years by a couple of friends of mine to um, help undergrads do real research projects that result in published papers in a, a peer-reviewed journal like the Minor Planet Bulletin. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, which is a, a fabulous experience for the students. And uh, I know several of them who have uh, been able to uh, get scholarships largely on the basis of, of having that very unique thing in their uh, resume that, oh, yes, and by the way, I have published an astronomy paper here in this research journal. Uh, so great opportunity. Uh, and there's uh, usually a few educators and sometimes they're able to bring some of their students along. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm married to a teacher. My son is a teacher. I think uh, so. I think about this that you know that educators mm-hmm. would really benefit because with the way STEM is right now too, it's like to to bring a program into the school that the kids could actually do science. I mean, and, they, in and a lot not, of cases, a lot, a lot of these cases, they don't need to actually collect the data. You have the data available; they can analyze. Or they can collect the data using a robotic telescope. Uh, you know, for a hundred dollars, you get an hour of shutter open time on uh, on a, a robotic telescope, and you can do, um, uh, depending on the instrumentation available at the remote site, you can do variable star star photometry. Uh, you can do um, uh, separation and position angle measurements of uh, visual double stars to uh, provide one more data point to help determine their orbits. Uh, relatively uh, inexpensive, relatively not very time-consuming, uh, and uh, genuine scientific value. Great. Now, I, I was looking at the website, and I saw you had, uh, I believe, Thursday is for workshops? Yes. Can you talk uh, a little bit about that? I'd be thrilled to. Uh, on Thursday, uh, we uh, traditionally have two educational workshops. Uh, this year, uh, they are on um, eclipsing binary times of minimum light uh, measurement and analysis. Uh, for uh, those in the audience who are not familiar with that, uh, let's presume that you understand the concept of an eclipsing binary like Algol. Uh, one star passes uh, between the other star and the Earth, and so we see the brightness dip. Uh, if uh, the orbits of those stars, if the two of them were a, a pair isolated from the rest of the universe and nothing unusual were going on, those eclipses would happen just like the ticks of a metronome, bing, 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 uh, absolutely uh, stable frequency. But it turns out there are a whole lot of reasons that the uh, orbits of those stars will not be stable. Uh, There may be a third star in the system that's sort of tugging on the first two. Uh, So as that third star pulls against them, the eclipses will alternately happen a little early or a little late. Uh, There may be uh, magnetic interactions between the, the two stars in the binary. There may be mass transfer. Uh, between them, there may be mass loss from the system. And it turns out that uh, careful measurements of the time of minimum light, pretty easy photometric uh, project, uh, can provide uh, the, another data point in what's called the observed minus calculated, the O minus C curve of the star, and help unravel uh, what's uh, going on in it. Uh, everybody's favorite eclipsing binary algol mm-hmm. which you can you can see uh, change brightness with your naked eye or um, uh, easily measure its light curve with a um, digital camera and a medium lens well it turns out there are things going on in algol it's 
O minus C diagram is not a flat line. It goes up and down, and there are things going on there, and I think some of them are still mysteries. Anyhow, uh, one of the uh, uh, experts in that field is Bob Nelson from British, British Columbia, and uh, he and Dr. Dirk Terrell will be putting on uh, the workshop on gathering the data, analyzing the results, interpreting the um, changing time of minimum light of these EBs. That's it, great. by the great project for those uh, uh, students that you're talking about, because uh, it's it's a one night uh, observing run as opposed to, you know, every night for a week or so to do your asteroid light curve. Uh, and many of these targets are fairly bright, so small telescopes and a digital camera can uh, can take care of a lot of them. So that's uh, workshop number one. Uh, workshop number two, uh, Dr. John Bally uh, from um, uh, U of Colorado uh, has uh, been nudging a couple of our board members uh, that there are um, events that are happening in other galaxies um, that appear to be either stellar formation or stellar mergers uh, in H2 regions and are underobserved in the Milky Way. And uh, his suspicion is that some of that uh, lack of observation in our Milky Way is because people aren't looking in the right way, in the right place. Uh, and so he's going to be giving a workshop on uh, using narrowband imaging, you know, your S2 and O3 filters, to uh, monitor these H2 regions for transients. Um, that's a, a, a whole new one, but it sounds uh, intriguing. So the, the workshops are $50 each. Uh, they are not included in the um, symposium registration, which I probably should have mentioned when we were talking about the symposium. Um, uh, registration is uh, for the symposium is $60 for members, $70 for non-members. Um, if you're an ALPO member, that counts this year. Okay. Um, and that uh, gets your uh, admission to the symposium, uh, all of the uh, technical talks, uh, bound volume of the proceedings, the evening of evening with the pros talks, uh, lunchtime discussion groups, and the sponsored display room. Then uh, the um, uh, the workshops on eclipsing binaries and narrowband monitoring of H2 regions are fifty dollars each, um, uh, and those are on Thursday. The technical sessions are Friday and Saturday. And uh, the symposium then wraps up with a closing banquet on uh, Saturday evening. Uh, and that also, of course, is, uh, is extra. That's a uh, $40 per meal. Um, and uh, uh, your non-astronomer significant other is uh, invited to the uh, banquet. Uh, we haven't uh, selected our speaker yet, but uh, the idea is to be uh, uh, something entertaining that uh, will keep the astronomers happy as well as the <laughs> non-astronomers in the audience. Uh, and I like a, that idea. Happy, Thank you very much for that. <laughs> it's a it's a happy evening. Everybody's everybody's worn out with yeah. science at that point. Now, everything's going to be at the Ontario Airport Hotel. Yes. Okay, great. So they don't have to travel. They just book. Now, you, is there are there uh, is there a group rate? 
for the rooms? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, and the link for that is also on the uh, SAS website. Go to the tab called Symposium and uh, scroll down. You'll find uh, the link for registration and the link for hotel reservations. Uh, the hotel uh, the conference rate is $96 a night plus taxes. Um, and it's uh, it's a nice place. Uh, the um, uh, there are plenty of uh, restaurants in walking distance. So uh, if if you know you don't really need to get into your car, and if you're traveling, um, see if you can fly into the Ontario airport rather than LAX or Orange County. That's a great point. Uh, the the hotel, and which often means you need to. You can't get a non-stop, uh, but it's uh, it's worth doing that. The hotel runs a shuttle to the airport, so you don't need a car at all. Yeah, I've driven from L.A. to Ontario, and while on a map, it's not far. <laughs> but that, in, you know, I tell people not from California that we measure distance in time. It, that's a two-hour drive. It doesn't matter and, if it's 25 miles. It's a two-hour drive. And amazingly to me, even though the Los Angeles airports, L.A. World Airports owns both LAX and Ontario, there is no convenient public transport no. between the two. No, so, uh, so this is very anyhow, true. This is California. It's a, <laughs> so it's it's worth figuring out how to fly into Ontario to avoid the uh, expense of a rental car that's probably just going to sit in the parking lot of the hotel for three days. Yeah, Uber. Or Uber, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, I, I think I, I mentioned that uh, one of uh, the goals uh, every year in the, the symposium is to get a, a wide mix of um, papers and also to be a very welcoming environment to uh, the, uh, the person who maybe isn't even sure what uh, small telescope research is about and whether it's uh, something that uh, he or she would be interested in. Uh, there, uh, is, uh, uh, there, there are no questions that are off the table, and this is a great opportunity to get advice from uh, experienced people, suggestions about uh, projects to take on, and um, uh, chat in the hallways, uh, talk with the, um, the sponsors and vendors, and uh, dip your toe into the water of small telescope science. Uh, uh, quite a few people who, who do that just say, oh, well, I'm going to try it once, uh, find that it becomes the focus of their astronomical hobby for a long, long time. And we're good people, too. <laughs> <laughs> so come on out and have fun with a bunch of uh, um, astronomers. We, we're, we're pretty cool. Um, that, but you mentioned uh, sponsors. Do you have sponsors for this event? We do. Um, our corporate sponsors are critical uh, in, in two ways. Number one, to the financial success of the symposium. Without their contributions, uh, our uh, uh, registration fees would be substantially higher. And uh, their fine products facilitate uh, the activities that quite a few of our members are doing. Uh, our uh, sponsors last year were Sky and Telescope Magazine, DC3 Dreams, uh, makers of the um, uh, ACP uh, control system for robotic observatories, uh, plane wave telescopes, and they're wonderful, hmm. wonderful RCs and, uh, and mounts. Uh, Woodland Hills Telescope and Camera, who uh, is uh, uh, on site as a uh, retailer. 
uh, Sierra Remote Observatories, uh, QHYCCD, uh, some really interesting new instruments that they've been bringing to the market over the last few years. Software BISC uh, and their, the Paramount and their new uh, fork mount. I can't remember what it's called, but it's gorgeous. Oh, my. Uh, and uh, SBIG uh, were all okay. sponsors last year. We're looking forward to seeing them again this year, and uh, I anticipate that we'll have a few additional uh, vendors in the um, in the display room. Uh, we always uh, have a um, uh, a little uh, uh, cash bar in the sponsor room one evening uh, to get everybody lubricated while they <laughs> reach for their wallets, credit cards. <laughs> now you mentioned and you mentioned vendors. Uh, yeah, uh, we have we have two uh, uh, levels of um, uh, corporate uh, participants. Okay. The uh, the sponsors uh, pay a, a fairly substantial fee, and they're the ones who get uh, their uh, logos on our advertising and in the um, uh, the symposium proceedings uh, and on the website. Uh, there is also uh, usually a few uh, uh, of the, the lower category vendors, not lower in terms of the uh, quality and interest in their products, but in the, uh, the fee that they pay to participate. Um, and all of those uh, sponsors and vendors, this is a great opportunity to talk with them about uh, some uh, one of their products that you may be thinking about buying. Uh, they're um, if you don't know the the people, they're they're all uh, friendly, uh, very open. Uh, they understand their products and their competitors, uh, and uh, can give you a, um, a very um, honest assessment of the uh, pluses and minuses of uh, the various products and help you figure out what's best for your. Uh, your level of interest, the projects you want to do, and the facility you have. Oh, Bob, this sounds great. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I completely glossed over evening with the pros. On uh, on Thursday evening, uh, we'll be having uh, two talks uh, by professional astronomers whose uh, research sort of intersects with the uh, small telescope community. Uh, quite a few um, ALPO and SAS uh, people have at one time or another done asteroid light curve photometry. Uh, Dr. Lance Benner will be with us on Thursday evening uh, showing results and discussing his work on radar imaging mm. of near-Earth asteroids. Uh, he uses the uh, Arecibo uh, radio telescope and um, uh, what's the one in Southern California? Uh, in the desert out there, oh, oh. I can't remember. Uh, part of the deep sky, right. deep space network, uh, and uh, so that uh, is is. And the the neat thing about the radar uh, observations is uh, he frequently calls for astrometry on uh, his uh, planned targets, so that he can narrow down the pointing and Doppler shift uh, corrections that he needs to make with his radar in order to to actually get the asteroid into his very narrow uh, field of view. And then uh, your rotational light curve 
can be integrated with the uh, radar uh, imaging results and the occultation timing results uh, to get uh, very good size and shape assessments uh, and uh, density and and uh, uh, possibility of companions on these uh, near-Earth asteroids. So uh, that's a, a, a really interesting talk uh, that uh, Dr. Ben will be giving. And uh, second is Dr. Jesse Christensen uh, will be with us uh, to discuss the status of the TESS, uh, T-E-S-S, Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite Mission, uh, and the uh, PROAM relationship oh, that the TESS program is depending on. And depending on how things go, uh, she'll either be saying and it's ready for launch or <laughs> and it is in orbit <laughs> oh fantastic that's great uh, now is there cost for those um that uh, the evening with the pros is included in your registration thing that, that sounds like it worth it right there <laughs> so because because if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, walking into the technical meetings on Friday morning starting at about 8:30 you will naturally be showing up at the hotel on Thursday afternoon so uh, the the, you're, the first thing you do is uh, in that uh, evening right after dinner come into the evening with the pros discussion Sounds fantastic. Now, let's uh, just recap for everybody. The joint 2018 SAS ALPO conference is Thursday through Saturday, uh, June 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Ontario Airport Hotel in Ontario, California. And uh, go to the SAS website. That's SOC Astro Sci, S O C A S T R O. SCI.org uh, to learn more about SAS and the symposium and take a look at uh, the results of uh, previous year's symposium. Great, and I will add a link for that in the show notes so people can just go underneath, click underneath, and uh, go directly to the SAS site and sign up for the conference. Perfect, and submit your abstracts. Inquiring minds would like to know what you've been doing in the dark. I like that. Very good. Well, Bob, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And I, and I look forward to seeing you in Ontario. I will see you in June. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank our special guest, Bob Buckheim, for coming on and talking about the 2018 SAS-ALPO Joint Conference in Ontario, California. I hope to see all of you there. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can now listen to the podcast on iHeartRadio as well as SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, and Stitcher. Oh yeah, iTunes. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving as little a dollar a month, or you can give $35 a month, where you will receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I'd really like to thank our continuing producer of the podcast, Steve Seidentop, for his generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, Steve. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is available in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at observersnbpod. 
If you're interested in joining the ALPL, membership begins at only $14 a year. To find out more, go to www.alpo-astronomy.org. And also the ALPO and the podcast are both on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy or Observer's Notebook. Until next time, I hope that you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.